You're listening to The Chris and Joe Show on Big Blue View Radio, your go-to source for New York Giants analysis. Pressure from Thomas off the edge. Eli Manning stays on his feet. Airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. Welcome back to The Chris and Joe Show, presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum. We are coming to you immediately after the New York Giants loss to the Chicago Bears. They fell 17-13. to That is a final score that changed at halftime. 17 to nothing in favor of the Chicago Bears. The Giants fought their way back into it, only to lose on essentially the final play as Daniel Jones was not able to connect with any of his receivers to win the game very close to the goal line almost getting the ball in into the end zone and also inevitably Golden Tate being called for an offensive pass interference. So this was a very up and down game for the New York Giants, one that was constantly messing with their heads and our emotions um, while watching this game. And the big thing, Chris, that is really screwing us up right now and almost took us out of the game completely in terms of being able to fully watch it and also for the Giants to stay into the game was the two major injuries the biggest one being Saquon Barkley who right now Adam Schefter reporting and also Jordan Ronan reporting they're expecting it to be an ACL injury Sterling Shepard it was appeared to be a toe injury both are going to be reevaluated on Monday so nothing is officially finalized but that is certainly not good news to hear Chris for two of the Giants best offensive players and the best player on this Giants team yeah no definitely not uh this this game, you know, I, you know, talking to you during the game, you know, before we recorded, the, the ending of this game was just straight up torture, <laughs> and especially have it all against the backdrop of Saquon Barkley being injured, potentially having a torn ACL, losing him for the year. Like I honestly needed a beer or maybe a shot by the time the game was done. So you know, we will keep our eye out for news on Barkley and Shepard. Those I think are obviously the biggest stories to come out of this game, but there was still a lot to talk about other than that. Yeah, there's a lot to take away from this game, and these huge injuries right now are significantly impacting the outlook for the New York Giants. If Saquon Barkley goes down with a torn ACL and he's done for the season, not only does that possibly completely divert his career trajectory because the one thing that Barkley has been able to show and, and flash is his ability to be explosive and make any play into a home run play. And you almost wonder if an ACL injury is enough to slow down that dynamic ability for Saquon Barkley. We do have evidence of other guys recovering from serious knee injuries and still having productive careers. You can point immediately to Adrian Peterson being the most productive player to have a serious knee injury. Uh, He won an MVP and had a huge rushing season after suffering a torn ACL. So it's not the end of the world for Saquon Barkley, but it, it appears as of right now from when we're talking about this and recording the show to be the end of the season for Saquon Barkley. That begs the question now, Chris, who are they going to go out and sign? Because I don't know if this is a, a running back group that the Giants can just roll with Deion Lewis, who rushed for 20 yards, and Wayne Gallman, who didn't even play today. Yeah, I honestly would almost expect the Giants to look at another position, especially if they're going to be without Shepard for a significant amount of time. We could see them bring in a veteran receiver to help supplement this wide receiver group, which is frankly just not impressive without Sterling Shepard. Darius Slayton, 
he has his moment, his you know incandescent bright flashes. But he's one guy. Golden Tate was on the field, at least on paper. He didn't really show up until that offensive pass interference at the end of the game. He was really forgettable up until that moment. Other than that, you know, do the Giants really want CJ Board to be one of their top weapons? Yeah, that's not really a great option to be saying that CJ Board is now one of the top receivers for this Giants team. It's Golden Tate, it's Darius Slayton, and then after that, it 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 is CJ Board. Evan Ingram has been non-existent for this Giants offense, so that is one thing for them to go out there and seek signing an additional receiver to deal with Sterling Shepard being gone. And also now, I also beg the question, like I've already said, who do they go out and get to fix this running back situation? And I think the one guy you have to point to who is very, very good, currently still available, is Devonta Freeman. I think you could go out and sign him for a respectable contract and get him to stick around for the season and play through it. That is a bit optimistic because he is obviously looking for a long-term good deal, but I would bet if if anyone came calling, like the Giants, to say, hey, if you come in and do things right, you could step in and start right away and take the main load of carries. And Freeman has been very productive for the Atlanta Falcons in his previous time in his career, a bit banged up here and there. Regardless, though, still a, a talented veteran running back that could fill in and take over the workload for Saquon Barkley. Yeah, I, I think other than that, the it really comes down to just a platoon of Wayne Gallman who kind of amazingly now in retrospect was a healthy scratch this week, which just seems like a terrible decision in hindsight. And Deion Lewis, who is a fine receiving back, but a really not much of a running back, which is kind of who he has been at Tennessee, who he was, you know, the last couple of years at New, at New England. The Giants are in a bit of a pickle here. <laughs> Serious pickle. Again, and we're going to keep just saying the same thing with this before we we move on to talking about the positives and the negatives of the game. Just to wrap this thought up, and we'll we'll definitely have time to talk about this throughout the week, but a a pickle is the most simplest way, the simplest way to describe the Giants' personnel situations because you lose one of the best running backs in the NFL and also one of their best receivers and best offensive players – for this team. So right now that to see the Giants only put up 13 points in this game is not that surprising to me considering everything that they dealt with in this game. Also facing off against one of the best defenses in or could be one of the best defenses in the NFL with the front 7 that they present and uh the the Giants had to face off against today. So not ton of a surprise from the lack of offensive output. Chris, the first negative from this game is pretty clearly Daniel Jones making it so hard for us to really defend him at this point. We did a lot of defending him last year when he was a rookie and saying, well, these interceptions, these fumbles, you can't really blame too much on him because the offensive line isn't helping him. He's still figuring out how to diagnose things in front of him. This is his second game in his second season, and we're starting to move away from making excuses for Daniel Jones. His turnovers in this game greatly impacted the outcome of this game. If the Giants did not turn the ball over, they very well would have won it. If they didn't turn if Daniel Jones didn't at least fumble or throw an interception, one or the other, this game could have been in the favor of the New York Giants. I have a, a little bit of a hard time putting the fumble on him because, you know, that that's Khalil Mack doing Khalil Mack things against a rookie offensive tackle. You know, that's going to happen. That interception 
that's another one that he just can't throw. You know, he has to see that Evan Ingram is covered. He there was double coverage there. There were more Bears jerseys than Giants jerseys, and he threw the ball so far outside of Ingram's frame that he had to lunge to catch it. And on a natural grass field, the footing was not great, so you could see Ingram slip. Honestly, that that's just the kind of decision making he has to get away from. There were also a number of throws I watched during the game. He was able to complete them, but there were throws throughout the game where I was watching and saying to myself, DJ, that's a little bit tight to fit the fit the ball into. Guys were able to make the catches, but Daniel Jones was really forcing the ball into a lot of tight windows. You could make the argument that he was facing a very good secondary, that there was very little room the entire game to get his receivers the ball to. But you can't just force the ball out into very contested spots just because you need to get the ball out. That is what leads to these interceptions. That's what almost led to a called back pick six by Eddie Jackson because he forced the ball into a tight contested situation. He needs to be safer with the football. We're, we, we can't keep defending him when he continually makes the same mistakes every single game. And, and Chris, this, this goes in line with a negative that we have from this game that the Giants can't outplay their mistakes. They are not a good enough team that if they're in a close football game, they can outperform their mistakes with the huge levels of talent that they have. This is a team that needs to be mistake-free if they want to win. They can't go out, turn the ball over, have missed assignments. It's the same stuff that we always say. They can't do do those things anymore, and we saw that blatantly clearly in this performance. Yeah, and I think that's kind of that's the biggest difference between the Giants and where they want to be as a team. Obviously, you want to play mistake-free football. You want to execute every play perfectly, and you know maybe you aren't making gains and moving the ball every play, but you're at least not hurting yourself. I think. The best teams are the ones where, yeah, they they will make a mistake, but they can move past that mistake. You know, last week we saw the Steelers make the, plenty of mistakes. They played downright sloppy for most of the first half, but they were able to put that behind them, move past it, and really not let those mistakes drag them down. The Giants, where they are, and it's kind of where they have been for a few years now. If they make a, make a mistake, that's kind of it for that drive. They have a very hard time putting that mistake behind them, overcoming it, making enough positive plays to outweigh those mistakes, and really not letting those mistakes bog them down for the whole game. Last negative for us, Chris, from this game is a very blatant one. You lose Saquon Barkley, who was a little slow to get going, but as soon as things started kicking in his direction, he was doing pretty good running the ball, only four carries, but still 28 yards on those four carries. As soon as he goes out of the game, the Giants lose their running game entirely. So not only do the Giants struggle in back-to-back games running the ball, not only do they lose Saquon Barkley, but they prove that they don't have the depth to lean on anybody else. Now that there's no Saquon, they're going to have a lot of issues running the ball. Deion Lewis is not the answer for the running back spot. If they can have Wayne Gallman healthy and playing, maybe he could be that that guy that takes over the lead amount of carries. But I don't know if I can entirely have that much confidence in Wayne Gallman. Gallman has always been, even going back to his time at Clemson, a guy who will pick up what is blocked for him. He is a steady, dependable back. He's really much more of a between-the-tackles runner. The problem is, is I and I think we saw it this week, is that 
right now the Giants running game is whatever Saquon Barkley can pick up on his own. That's kind of back to where they have been ever since they drafted him, where if he's not getting caught behind the line of scrimmage, he can make gains. But there's a good chance that there are going to be defenders in the backfield whenever the running back gets the handoff. Only having two yards per carry for Deion Lewis is a concerning metric to see in the box score. It's going to be something we talk about on the post game, the full breakdown show, and also the next show that we do leading into the Giants next game, because this is now an issue that the Giants have to fix. This is not something that you can just stick with what they have and assume it's going to work, especially with already having offensive line issues. You need somebody a little bit more dynamic than a, a, a over 30 year old Dion Lewis. We're going to transition uh, next to our positives for this game. Before we get to them though, first we're going to take a really short commercial break. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Chris, despite the loss and the Giants following in a close, hard-fought second half, there are still positives that come out of this game. Like we do every week, we try to find some type of a positive that comes out of this game so we're not... Strictly being negative when evaluating the Giants, especially when we get the chance, before we get the chance to critically evaluate the tape. The big positive from this game, you have to put some perspective on the fact that the Giants were down 17 to nothing at halftime. Saquon Barkley is out of the game. Sterling Shepard is out of the game. And the Giants not only prevented the Chicago Bears from scoring any more points, but they also fought back into the game to be only down 13 to 17 comes down to the final drive after a tough attempt to slow down the Bears on their final drive a crazy play gives them a first down after Bobby Massey dives to grab a tipped ball out of the air Giants did not finalize that drive and as I said earlier in the show they were unable to get the ball in the end zone despite getting the ball all the way down and close to scoring position That to me though, Chris, the fact that they were able to fight back into this game and not give up at halftime is is very positive. I think that most coaches would would be positive about talking about that with their team and saying, you fought back into the game. You fought back to get back to this point despite 
everything seeming like you were giving up before halftime. I thought this game was going to go in a com- completely different direction when they were down 17 to nothing at half. Yeah, it, it very easily could have. I think maybe against some other teams, it probably would have. Like if the Giants were playing the New England Patriots, I don't think they would ever have taken their foot off the gas the way it seemed like the Bears kind of did. You could kind of see they shifted their offensive style a little bit in the second quarter after Barkley went down and again in the third quarter. It seemed like they moved to try and bleed the clock as much as they could, shorten the game. It took them far enough out of their offensive game plan that when the Giants were able to come up with those stops, they were able to force the Bears into making some mistakes. They couldn't get that same rhythm they had in the first half, and especially in the first quarter. And that gave the Giants the chance, the the glimmer of hope that they could pull out a win. So you do have to give it to them that they stayed in the game. They kept playing hard because losing Saquon Barkley, losing Sterling Shepard, having just about the worst first half you could possibly have. They had all kinds of reason to pack it in at halftime and really not even come out of the tunnel. Exactly. And I I started to see this team towards the end of the first half, and I, I thought the demeanor of both sides was not good. They were giving up broken plays on on defense they were allowing that first touch on the give up to David Montgomery was because everybody was out of position when just trying to make a tackle that was how things started very rough in this game and that general demeanor did not look positive for this Giants team it was a complete 180 Daniel Jones cleaned up some of the issues I, I don't think he had as many glaring mistakes as he did in the first half it was almost a tale of two different offenses, and then in pieces, two different defenses with the plays that they were able to put out there. They weren't able to finish it. They weren't able to complete it. And again, it's very tough that they no longer are going to have Saquon Barkley and possibly Sterling Shepard for a while. Still, though, fighting your way back and almost winning a football game, there is positives with that. If you're just being having a general outlook on a performance, you have to look at that positively. There's no negatives to take away from a, a close loss like that. Chris, the the final positive from the game, you have to point to sack production and turnovers. If there's ever a a good performance from your defense in that category, in both of those categories, you have to point to them and say, that is great. Those are great production numbers for your team. Four sacks, two picks by this defense. A lot of that ended up coming in the second half, but to see some of these guys come come and hit home, Kyler Fackrell, Lorenzo Carter, B.J. Hill, James Bradbury with the interception, Julian Love with the the tip play interception. Uh, those were some serious big plays that kept the Giants into the game. Yeah, absolutely. Now, w- one of the things we did mention on our pregame show is it it's those are plays that Mitchell Trubisky is prone to making. Like it doesn't take a whole lot to slow him down, gum up his works, get him thinking too much, and then he makes bad decisions. But the Giants were able to do that. They were able to get pressure on a, we'll say flawed, Bears offensive line. They were able to get in Trubisky's head. And when he made the mistakes, they were there to capitalize on them. And that's the biggest thing. And I think that's the thing that has been, or one of the things anyway, that had been lacking from their defense the last couple of years where opportunities were there and they just weren't capitalizing. Now they are at least capitalizing on those opportunities when they come up. Yeah, you know, it's 
they still have a, a ways to go, but they're making impact plays. They're disrupting offenses. So there is at least that to borrow, borrow a McAdooism, hang your hat on. <laughs> yeah, you can hang your hat on it a little bit. And when you don't win a football game with, with the circumstances, it's obviously not – you can't get too high on, on something like this, but it is strong to see a team – produce in categories that they've almost never been able to produce in how many years has it been since we've seen good sack production in a game and also good turnover production you said Chris a really good point on it seems like the the optimistic plays these good opportunities for the Giants to capitalize on and they've never been able to do so well today they were able to get that done against a, a very poor offensive line the plays when they needed them, they were able to make them. And I think that, again, is a big, big reason why they were able to stay in this game in the second half and keep it close into a position where they were almost able to win the football game. Yeah, I I would say it's a start. As you said, this is a this was a flawed offense the Giants were going up against. It was flawed at the quarterback position. It's flawed at the offensive line. It was flawed in, it, at the skill positions. But the Giants still did what they needed to do on defense. It, it's a start. They aren't where they were at back in 2016, back when they were getting the sacks. They were, you know, really disrupting passing offenses. You know, you had the NYPD secondary. But it's a start, and it's something they can at least build on. Well, folks, that is it for this quick takes episode. We will be able to break things down fully on our next episode, as we typically do a full film breakdown analyzing all the key points from the performances this is going to be an interesting one to evaluate and we will also provide our perspective on whatever the latest update is with the saquon barkley and sterling shepherd injuries thanks for tuning in folks be sure to follow us on social media at joe de Leon. you can follow chris at raptor mkii and also follow us at big blue view and also head to bigblueview.com 